Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Sir Dominic Pointer, former St. John Red Storm basketball player. Shout out to Peretta. I think he'll enjoy that one. Subscribe. So you should as well. Sir Dominic Pointer, a subscriber. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is, underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. stop you you drop a sir dominic on me like that let me tell you something about my history with sir dominic pointer obviously i I don't it's not really a history it's all relative to me here but i will say sir dominic pointer when he was recruited to st john's and you saw that name flash up on your screen you automatically are thinking first ballot hall of famer into the all name hall of fame the one guy that I always, in my mind, correlated him with was Pops Mensa Bansu. Remember him from George Washington? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Never really fleshed out. In the, I think Pops actually had played in the NBA for a bit, but Sir Dominic, uh, I recall, pretty good player at St. John's, but never really was kind of program defining. So I, I he he he's on that echelon with Pops Bensabonsu, who for me is one of the greatest names in college basketball history. Well, when I was doing my research, because I wanted to pay homage to St. John's after they defeated Villanova, which also just proves my point even more that Villanova's dead, but that's neither here nor there. I was taking a look at some of the St. John's names, and none of them really stood out. I feel like St. John's is that type of school where the big names are really fucking big, like Chris Mullen, and then some of the more obscure names are just so obscure that even you and me have zero idea who they were or kind of forget who they were. Not really noteworthy. I was really close to going with Mike Jarvis, their former head coach who kind of looks like uncle Phil, but I thought Sir Dominic Pointer was a very nice middle ground there. I I don't envy your position. It probably was not easy for St. John's because you're right there. It's difficult to find a relevant player uh, relatively recently because they have kind of struggled when it comes to, to making tournaments and performing well in March, but you found a good one. I did do a quick Wikipedia search of Sir Dominic and believe it or not on his Wikipedia page, he has a, he's got two sisters. One's named Connie or Kane and his twin, the, the twin of Kane. You ready for this? Are you ready no, no, for hold this? On. No, I'm not. Hold on. I don't want to get to the second sister yet. I, you, Is it Connie or Kane? How do you spell it? C O N N A E. Kane. <laughs> All right, hold on. His the twin of Kane, Ms. Unique. And let me I think it. I remember this. M I Z apostrophe unique. I think I what, remember this. What a family. What a family. It's gotta be tough for Sir Dominic to be the second coolest name in the entire family and your yeah, name's Sir Dominic. Ms. Unique is like what Donna from Parks and Rec would want to be named. Yeah. So Sir Dominic Pointer, shout out to him again, shout out to Peretta, but I want to go back to my weekend and how fantastic it was. I didn't leave the, leave the house. I didn't go on some vacation. Didn't see any of the boys. Not like I went out to a bunch of bars, got drunk. I pretty much held myself hostage, but it was voluntary inside my house. No girlfriend. She was out of town in Atlanta. So Friday, I worked from home. You remember a few episodes ago about the pigeon? Pigeon's gone. Called a guy, got rid of the nest. Pigeon's gone. Uh, there's a little bit of egg splatter. I'm not kidding, on my patio, which is kind of disgusting. But the pigeon's gone. So that was Friday. Friday, I just hunkered down, got some Chick-fil-A, and watched the Rising Stars Challenge in, um, in All-Star Weekend. Saturday, what a buffet. Like you're at a Vegas buffet, dude. There was crab legs on one side. You got the steak on the other side. You got some pasta. You got you got everything that you wanted on Saturday. And I buried that couch. That couch did not stand a chance against me all on Saturday. I woke up in the morning, went to Sprouts, got a 30 rack and some flour tortillas for breakfast burritos. And I just hunkered down all day, baby. Let me tell you something. I've seen that couch. That couch is a friend of mine. 
ladies and gentlemen, listen to this show. Please, for the love of God, pray for that couch after what it experienced this past weekend. Because I, I can only imagine the horrifying ordeal that it had to live through. It didn't stand a chance. And I, I was shifting my weight here and there, but a majority of it was on the long leg, leg of the couch. That was it. And it was just going back and forth between two, three beers, throwing a lip, eat some food, five, five, six beers, watch another basketball game. So that was my Saturday. Like I said, pure, pure bliss. Did you Sunday? Did you go outside at all? I lifted the garage door. The garage door was open. I mean, your garage door is literally in your kitchen. It's a, you're calling it a garage door. You don't live in a house. You live on the second floor of an apartment and your garage door is effectively a window. So you're, you're making it sound like you went out and did some yard work. You don't have a yard. You, you don't own a home. You just opened a window. Yeah. Well, I opened the window. I didn't go outside, but correct. Did you leave your, did, did you leave your apartment? Yes. I, yeah, I told you I had to go get the oh, flour tortillas right. in the 30. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't take an Uber. Like you did the one. <laughs> well, I wasn't drunk at that time. Here's the thing, father. I, I just want, I mean, I, as I look at it, it's February 19th. All right. Pace yourself. I texted you that on Saturday. I, I mean, you, you got to take advantage of an empty house. I agree. I agree. So that's why I'm not scolding you here. I just want to make sure that you are pacing yourself because this time, one month from now, we're locked and loaded. We are locked and loaded. That is our time. Nobody can take that from us. And I don't want you burning out too early. All right. I don't want to be having the conversation with you at breakfast about how you got to recharge the batteries and, you know, throw some more coal in the engine because it's still February. All right. I was listening to uh, College Basketball Live last night after the games. Jay Williams, Seth Greenberg doing their good guy, bad guy type thing. Jay Williams actually had a very good uh, description about what this time of year is. He called it the dog days of March Madness, dog days of college basketball, much like you get the dog days of baseball in August. We're in the dog days right now. These are the, these are the games that you got you to gotta win if you're a bubble team. You got to win if you want the one seed or if you want a high seed in the tournament. But it's hard to get up for it because it's so close to showtime. It's so close. So we, we as fans, we need to respect that. And we can't flame out too early. In fact, you know, with pancakes coming back home next week, you should be using this time to build some human capital, build some equity in the relationship. Do a nice thing, you know, maybe get her a sweet. Cause you know, you don't in a month, you don't have, you don't know my schedule though. That's the thing. I got a fucking wedding on selection, Sun, not on selection Sunday, but the weekend of selection Sunday, that's on her side of the family. Where's your cousin? So I gotta be, where's the wedding? Long beach, long beach, California. So you're getting, you're getting most weddings. I would say start between three and six. I got to Sunday. It's going to be, I got to drive back on Sunday. Oh yeah. You're going to miss the show. I just might. I'm not driving either. Cause I'm going to be tore the fuck up after that wedding. So selection Sunday could be tough, but I'm at the mercy of her cousin in that respect. I got a bachelor party the first weekend of the tournament. So I'm going to be traveling on Thursday to New Orleans after once I once I get my bearings in Nola, I'm gonna hunker down and I got a spot for you. Go to Manning's. 
Okay. Manning's on uh, Chapatulis. Oh, Actually, it's not on Chapatulis. It's on. Uh, it's in the warehouse district. Manning's. Unbelievable. I've never been to New Orleans, so no. I'll, I'll go there. I'm, I'm your guy for New Orleans. So, Shark, you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago how these are the dog days and teams got to get locked in, but it's very difficult. A lot of teams losing focus. Why don't you kick us off with last week and feet and kick us off with a team that didn't lose focus, just completely melted down. Yeah, so last week in feet. Ordinarily, we do this where we touch on games that happen on Saturday, but I'm making a rare exception. Um, Duke, Louisville. Now, you're right. If you're thinking in your car or wherever you're listening to this, why are we talking about a game that happened a week ago? It's a good point. Frankly, if I was listening to this podcast and someone was talking about it, it's kind of what Rosillo's podcast is on The Ringer right now, where he talks about things that happened like four days ago, and you really expect me to care about what happened on NFL Sunday and you're talking about it on Wednesday, but I do want to add my own thoughts to this game. Duke Louisville. It, the, the last 10 minutes of that game was absolutely horrifying. If you are a, a fan like myself of someone that is supposedly going to contend against Duke in March madness, the way that they just completely, and I mean, completely Bowie Louisville off their home court in the last 10 minutes. And Chris Mack, I love you, but God, man, that is just horrific, horrific. I don't even want to say coaching, but just leadership of the guys on the court. You could see them shriveling with the full court press that they were putting on. Who was the point guard? Uh, Cunningham, when he would just take one dribble and turn it over. And then the next thing you know, Duke's on another fast break. At one point, Louisville had a 99.9% chance of winning that basketball game. And all it took was Duke just turning it up to a different level. It, it felt like watching um, like the best public high school basketball team in Chicago playing the JV team from Greenwich, Connecticut in a high-stakes environment where you could just see people fold and completely shrivel on the court. That's what Louisville was. So, you know, Louisville went, went on to win over the weekend, but when you get that emasculated on national television uh, against a team that, you know, you were handling and you want to call yourself the number 18 team in the country, I can't pick them. I can't pick Louisville. Noir is a good player. I, I said that a couple of weeks ago. Noir can shoot. He's a good player. He's the only one keeping him in that game. But everyone else on that team, that was just a emasculating performance. Yeah, I've never seen a team get legitimately scared. This is this goes beyond intimidated, intimidated, pushed around. I've never seen a team get scared of an opponent, even after being up twenty plus points. Duke came back and showed that they were the best team in the country in that game, and that they have so much incredible firepower. Away from this number one, Zion Williamson, not really his play. And this might feed into your Preston Blake standing at the top of a mountain that Zion's not, you know, we talk about Zion, his skill to the game, but I don't know if you saw this, there was a tie up with the ball and Zion straight up deflated the ball when he applied pressure. Incredible strength. Number one, number two with, Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish has been playing 
supremely well these past couple games. Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett have been the draft behind Duke, R.J. Barrett, double double. But I want to talk about Cam Reddish and his shooting has come around. When they shoot it, when Cam is on, they're unbeatable. I mean, they literally erased on the road a double-digit point lead to a top-20 team in a very hostile environment, courtesy of Cam Reddish. So well, that's, those were a couple of my takeaways. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said it in that order because everyone the day after the game is talking about, oh, Zion deflated the ball by grabbing it too hard. Like, okay, cool. It's a good tweet. It's a good gif. It's a good little three-second yeah. clip. But how can That's you – No, he squeezed the ball. All right, He's got huge hands. He's a beast. Awesome. But Cam Reddish was the reason they got back in that game. Those threes, those yeah. pull-up threes, like he should be the lead. He should be the one with the gif. He should be the one getting tweeted about. It shouldn't be some cool, strong man squeezing a basketball. And you know what, Zion? I'm not going to Preston Blake right now. He, he, he was – a menace defensively. Nobody wanted to dribble at him. He was leading fast breaks. It's awesome. Good for him. Maybe he can be Kenneth Fareed at the next level. You know, he can, he can really be a uh, energy guy on defense. Good for him, but he's not hitting those pull-up threes in transition. He's not bringing, taking the lead on a pull-up jumper. So he, he doesn't want to Preston Blake. And then he goes on to press. Preston Blake of outside. Well, that's, not, that's not a Preston Blake. If I was Preston Blake and I would talk about how when the game is on the line, he is only touching the ball at the top of the key to facilitate the offense rather than do anything else. If I wanted a Preston Blake, I'd say if there's one shot at the end of the game, he's probably the fourth option on that team to take that shot. If I wanted a Preston Blake, I would say that if he was on Clemson, they wouldn't be Florida State. It would be NC State. We had that discussion last week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop it because this isn't about Duke. This isn't really about Cam Reddish or Zion or R.J. Bear. This is 100% about Louisville. Like you said, Chris Mack, that's a meltdown, man. Like I said, they got completely scared of Duke, and it showed in their following game against Clemson at home. I don't know if anyone saw the ending to this, but Louisville was up at Thinks about I, I shit you not with about 14 or 15 seconds left in the game. Clemson hits a three. They then hit another three somehow, all within this time frame. So Clemson's only down one. Louisville's inbounding the ball. They turn the ball over right underneath their own hoop. Now, fortunately, the inbounder who turned the ball over uh blocked the shot, what the would-be game-winning shot from Clemson. But it is clear that this team cannot finish stay away from Louisville. If the tournament started tomorrow, I'm staying away from them because if they can't do this on their home court in February, Lord have mercy. Do it on it with all eyes on them against maybe not a, a Duke team, but certainly against a team like Clemson. Because Clemson is your the epitome of a bubble team. I am not impressed with Chris Mack at this point. And in that Duke game, they didn't have any timeouts with like four minutes left in the game. And they have never needed a timeout more than in the four minutes left in that game. And likewise, it just, 
the team lacks mental toughness. And if you go back, even you look at Chris Mack and the glory days of him at Xavier last year when they were the one seed and they had everything that they would want on their team, they kind of shriveled when they were, when they were faced pressure, when they faced teams that were tough, like Florida state, when they played in that sweet, sweet 16 game, they, they kind of are a very finesse team, which is not the, the, image that chris mack portrays he kind of he's screaming at you like the tough guy we've talked about him at length how he's one of the bald-headed guys that is always screaming along with you know mick cronin and kevin willard but mick cronin's team wouldn't crumble like that now i know what you're gonna say they did against nevada i know what you're gonna say i am gonna say that i know what you're gonna say but that's because his team lacks skill like mick cronin he's not gonna teach you how to shoot He's not going to teach you how to score. He'll teach you how to play defense. They just can't score. They never have been able to. Mick Cronin does not know how to teach that, develop players with any skill. But Chris Mack, I mean, I don't see the toughness on that team. So I I, am begging. I'm pleading. I'm down on my knees begging for them to get matched up with someone in the first round that is going to be a darling pick to advance. It's hard to kind of look at the giant killers right now, but obviously you would think, give me, give me Dom, give me South Dakota state, Louisville, give me a five twelve. I'm begging for that. I'm going to disagree with you here on. Graham, that was incomplete. The Rick Pitino scandal, uh, Paget taking over, and just, it was a mess there at Louisville. And in one year, he's got a discussion already. So I'm going to give a hug for that. In terms of the team's toughness, I agree. They're not tough at all, as exhibited against Clemson. It, was, it reared its ugly head against Duke, but Clemson just solidified. This team has Zoom games. Reactions after they escaped Clemson, nobody was happy. Nobody was really cheering in the stands. The players were the players honestly look like they had lost the game. So that is something that's going to need to change if they want to make any sort of deep run. But I think Chris Mack's already really won over the the Louisville faithful by getting them ranked. He's going to get them to the tournament. I think at this point he's just playing with house money. Yeah, but he shouldn't be because he is supposed to be their savior. He is the replacement. Tier one. Tier one. Let him let him get his guys in there and see what he does. I'm I'm confident in Chris Mack. I think he's a really good coach. I mean, the Xavier tree, successful. Yeah. Thad Motter to Sean Miller to Chris Mack. So they're all doing well. All right, whatever. So the next game I wanted to discuss uh, last week in feet was a buzzer beater. I know that's your thing. You're big on the buzzer beaters. You'll rank them. No, no matter how many occur in one weekend. I just want to talk about one because it was just absolutely outrageous. Iowa Rutgers. It, outrageous for a variety of reasons. One, Iowa had no business winning that game. But the way they won it, they were down 69-68. Iowa, like a Christian Leitner type play from underneath, underneath uh, their own hoop, they throw it across the floor. It gets bounced around a few times. It ends up in this guy, Joe Wiskamp. I think that's how you say his name. No clue if it's correct or not. Wiskamp catches it in the corner. Corner three. Supposed to be the best three. 
easiest three to hit. I mean, all you have to do is look at Joe Harris from the three-point contest this past weekend. This guy, Wiskamp, he's a freshman from Muscatine, Iowa. He's putting up a 12-4. and four. He's 6'6". He's, six, six. He's, he's good. He's a good shooter. He hits the like top left of the bat. He banked it in from a corner three. He banked in a corner three. That, that, just how? Just how? of my drunkenness on Saturday, and I just could not believe what what happened. Up to that, Rutgers was down two, I think. Or no, they were either down one or something, and Rutgers player two, right? With, I don't know, two seconds left or whatever it was, three seconds. I thought it was game. And I was about to say to myself, look, if Rutgers was able to play every single game at home, they might be an elite eight team. They could be a sweet 16 team, man. They are tough as nails at home. They've beaten Ohio state who kind of stinks now, but I think they also beat Michigan state, right? Maybe, maybe not Michigan state. They beat some other good big 10 team at home and they pushed Iowa a ranked team, obviously to the brink. They should have won that game, but that game was so perfect for farmer Fran. That's why I tweet out the gift of farmer Fran rubbing all his nipples, rubbing on his nipples and the happy Gilmore, not happy Gilmore. Uh, Billy Madison. Fuck, not even Billy Madison. Jesus Christ. Keep going. Uh, no, hold on. Waterboy. Good I'm God. There you go. Bobby Boucher. Waterboy. But that, that ending was so perfect because I'm pretty sure somewhere on Iowa's campus or near the campus, there is a legitimate farmer friend in overalls without a t-shirt rubbing his nipples when that guy shot that three. And he was also rubbing his nipples when Jordan that three against Northwestern that we discussed last week. His nipples are getting chafed. Some poor farmer in Iowa, the nipples are getting chafed. But it's it was so perfect. I was like, I quite a bit because there have been a lot of buzzer beaters, but never has it been so appropriate than what Iowa did against Rutgers. And you're right, the shot itself, I can't believe he hit that man. That is insane. The zero angle swishes it home. I feel like that only happens to programs like Rutgers, though. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, only to Rutgers would that happen. That would never happen to uh, Duke. That would never happen to Kentucky. That just happens to programs that deserve it. So you want to talk about who was the Mike Rice? Was that the coach that was fired? Like, that was probably like 10 years ago now for bullying his team, for being too mean to him. No, but it, yeah, I think that Remember was that guy? the guy. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, yeah. Karma. Karma. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was going to say, I don't, think, I don't think he would let that team imagine that locker room. Oh, my God, if he was still the head coach. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, what do you even say at that point? Like, they – we we can't even debate our 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 normal thing because they're only up by one. All they have to do is just knock the ball down, essentially, just volleyballs into the corner where it happens to hit the good young freshman who doesn't even get a good shot up. It just happens to hit the right part of the backboard for it to deflect into the hoop. It's ridiculous. It, it, it's like one of those Rutgers basketball. It's like that's what happens when you're Rutgers basketball. Same reason if you root for, you know, like the Washington Redskins, bad things are going to happen to you. Or the same thing if you root for, I don't know, insert another kind of just 
cursed organization. So snake yeah. I, I agree. What makes it even worse is that Rutgers literally two seconds before hit a three when they were down to propel themselves in the lead. And everyone, for the most part, thought that this was going to be the ball game. And then a miraculous. One quick thing I want to add on before we move on is Iowa is now easily my favorite team to watch in the Big Ten. That conference is so goddamn boring. We got Maryland and uh, who again tonight? Who did Iowa play? No, oh Maryland, Maryland's at Iowa. Excuse me. Yeah, Maryland at Iowa. Maryland's boring to watch. Iowa, honestly, in the but they come up with these crazy buzzer beaters to, at the end of the shot clock, or excuse me, at the end of the game. So they're easily my my favorite team to watch in the Big Ten. The other game in the Big Ten tonight, the ranked game at least, was Anna. I don't think fifty. So the Big Ten is just very classic Big Ten offense right now. But give me Iowa and a stock of corn and Farmer Fran by my seat. I'm going to be watching them in the Big Ten because they're. Incredible theater, especially in the last minute of ball games. Question for you. Talk to me. When was the last time a Big Ten team won the national championship? Ten team that comes to mind is Michigan State with Mateen Cleaves. Is that it? That's it. Or is there, or that's it. That's it. Yeah. They, they always are a deep conference conference that beats up on each other, but I feel like Michigan state has let them down quite a bit. They've been to I think a bunch of final Valentine team that lost to middle Tennessee state. Michigan state should be carrying the mantle. I'm not going to place much blame on Michigan, but it's a long Michigan time state, ago, man. pal. It's a long time ago. All right. Anyways, um, so last week in Thiet, the last thing to talk about is Saturday night. Uh, Tennessee got that ass beat. And they went into Rupp. They got punched in the mouth. They got punched out. And then they got kicked while they were down squirming to try to get back up. They had no answer for P.J. Washington. They had no answer for Reed Travis's physicality in the post. They couldn't make a shot to save their life. And I want to tell you that this was great for Tennessee. This is exactly what Tennessee needed. They needed to get humbled. This needed to happen. Admiral Schofield getting too big for his britches. Like, bro, tone it down a little bit. Grant Williams actually got I, I literally can't think of a negative thing to say about Grant Williams. He's the perfect college basketball player. So I'm not going to pick on him, but Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner, like, were you guys there? Were you in, were you in Lexington? Where were you staying? Downtown Hilton? Staybridge suites over by the campus. Where, I mean, where were you? Where, where'd they put you up? Cause I didn't see you on the court. I mean, we play six guys. Seven. If you count Folk, Folkerson, they play seven guys at some point, these role players that, you know, have been, have been good for us. They're, they're good college basketball players to have, but if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to be the number one team in the nation, you need to step up. You need to hit an open three. You need to make a layup. You need to be aggressive. 
And that just did not happen in that game. It was, it, it, it was a brutal reminder of where Tennessee's at and how this was, I don't want to call it um, a rude awakening. Cause I do think Tennessee is a, a one seed. I, I think they are one of the four best teams in the country, but they're not the best team in the country and they need to operate that way. They need to have that chip on their shoulder. They need to realize that Grant Williams, when you came out of Charlotte, North Carolina, you were not the same guy as, you know, Zion. You guys are a different breed and you should, when you play him, hopefully we can play him. You need to act like he is the one that has been appreciated and you are the one that was not. And this team should not be a front runner. I, I, I don't like them as a front runner. I like them being the, the one that uh, never got the respect that they deserved. And, you know, obviously I wanted them to keep winning. I'd like for them to be number one as long as possible, but that's something that you would care about. I care about what happens in March. And I think that, that is something I would care about. That is something you would care right. about. This is something I want them to learn from. Uh, and I want them to remember, and I think they will, because I think this team does have a mental toughness. I, it, just looking at the numbers, like Lamonte Turner, two of 11, oh, seven from three. To quote Stan and Thursky, just terrible. I mean, Schofield, Schofield had 17 points. You, you want to hear a crazy stat here? I tweeted this stat. Schofield, 17 points on seven of 18 shooting. So he took 18 shots to score 17 points. Grant Williams, shoot. you ready for this one? Grant Williams shoot had 16 shoot. points on three of four shooting. He took four shots and had 16 points. I mean, the, he is an outstanding, outstanding college basketball player. But this is what Tennessee did. This is what happened against Loyola. Will, uh, what was that old bitch's name? The Sister Jean. Sister Jean, Loyola Jean. This is what happened against them. We did not give Grant Williams the ball on every single possession. In tight games, in big games, when everybody's watching, Grant Williams needs to touch the ball on the elbow or the post on every fucking possession. I know it's hard. I know, I know once he gets it, he's going to get double teamed. But he still needs to touch it. Because he, he, this guy just finds a way. I don't know how he does it. He, he's short. But he rarely gets his shot blocked. He's like not the biggest guy in the world, but he always is stronger than his defender. He needs to touch it on every motherfucking possession. And that just was not happening. We do so much like Admiral Schofield long twos or Admiral Schofield heat checks, and it worked against Gonzaga. And it'll probably work in a big game for us at some point. But if we want to take this run seriously, if we want to take this course seriously, it runs through Grant and he needs to touch it every single time. A lot to unpack here. And foremost, no need to overreact. I hope you're not doing that. I hope Rocky Top isn't doing that. Absolutely no need to overreact. You did get punched in the mouth though in Rupp. And I think that's to be expected. I'll do, I shouldn't say all you have to do, but the big key was to weather the storm first 10 minutes or so in Rupp Arena. And we did. You did. There was what I thought in the first time. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was going to say, okay, you'll be all right. And then slowly but surely as that first half continued on, 
the wheels were starting to come off, but halftime came for you guys at a perfect time. Yeah, we were down to regroup. Six. You're only down six. And then those guys just came out fucking firing. What was it? A 14 nothing, 15 nothing run to start the second half? It was 14 nothing. You looked like the Celtics out there in the second half, third quarter, essentially. So you got punched in the mouth. No need to overreact. I do agree that this is a good thing for Tennessee. I want to get to the rankings portion as well, because I think that they are a top four team. I think the rankings right now should be Duke, Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Kentucky, or no, Duke, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee, and get Virginia out there. Either Virginia or Gonzaga got to go from that top four. I'm yeah, sorry. Why, why I, I think it's ridiculous that Tennessee's, I think it's ridiculous that Tennessee's getting punished for going on the road to a number five team, like Kentucky, and losing. And then they drop four spots. That's, out, that's outrageous to me. Yeah, I, so, I don't get why Gonzaga is ahead of Tennessee by three. I mean, we played them on a neutral yeah. court on the West Coast, and we beat them. So, and they have Agreed. two losses, too. It's not like they're undefeated. Uh, that, that one, that's one that's confusing to me. Again, I don't care about the rankings. We're going to beat LSU this weekend. We're probably going to beat Kentucky next week. It's going to work out. LSU is on a hot streak, right? Put your finger a little bit. But um, I'm putting my finger up. Again, all that matters is where they put you on Selection Sunday. All that matters is your path. They need to be a one seed or a two seed in the Louisville or Washington, D.C. region. If they do get that, then I think they're going to the Elite Eight at least. If they don't, ask you this. Ask. What do you think about Calipari? Trying to be a good guy, telling his crowd to stop chanting overrated. Did you take that as an insult? Because he's basically taking pity on you. Um, I think, think he's he's kind of treating you like little no, he's little not because he he's lost in Thompson Bowling plenty of times over the past few years. So he's not stupid. He knows that Tennessee is going to take this as an absolute insult. It's like spitting on Tennessee's mother right here. If the fans were to do that, they know that we're going to come storming out in Knoxville in a couple weeks or next week. So I think Calipari understands the long game. That's why he's a good coach. And I don't think, I think it is ludicrous to call us overrated. And we were the number one team for a reason. We had one loss. I mean, that's the number one team. So yeah. In that going in, we got beat that game but he there's no reason <coughs> to give us bulletin board material when you're coming into knoxville in a few weeks all right what about spurrier in the aaf taking a little shot at rocky top that's just who rocky top, you guys kind of got bodied by everyone this week it was, a, it, was a, it was a bad week no doubt about that spurrier i mean i mean you gotta just lie the guy i i hate steve spurrier with a burning passion Mainly for what he did to the Washington Redskins. But, That's your point. Yeah. I, tough week. But you know what? I'd rather have this week during the dog days than, than in March. I'll take this week now. I'll be back. I'll be back. That all you got there for last week in deep? Yeah, that pretty much settles it. Obviously, the one game I highlighted last week to discuss was Kansas State, Iowa State. Uh, uh, we both thought that Kansas State was going to win it, and they probably would have, but Dean Wade you know, got a little thing in his foot. Iowa State looked great. Um, 
as we record this right now, Baylor is in Ames up by one and actually a pretty good game. So Iowa State, dangerous team, dangerous team. Watch out for them uh, in, a, in the tournament. I certainly don't want them to match up with the Vols. But, uh, and then with respect to Kansas State, your boys, um, they should, and I think you have this coming for upcoming feet, but if Texas Tech beats Kansas this weekend, Kansas State should have a path towards at least tying for the Big 12 title. And big, uh, Texas Tech actually has a nice lower road, too. So I don't think it's going to happen for the boys in Lawrence. But outside of that, I mean, good games, yeah. good little Saturday. I'm glad you were able to put down 30 beers, the house to yourself. Um, let's do it again this week. Great. Yeah, it was great. I will say real quick about Dean Wade and Kansas State. That team was light years different. They were right in that game, maybe down two or three against Iowa State. Dean Wade goes out make Iowa state finish the game on like a 14 to two run or something like crazy like that. So Dean Wade is Carl cats team, which not re- you're right over there. Got a a I'm good. I don't need a right. lozenge. Thank well, you. great theater though. This past weekend, I feel like at this point in the episode chart, and I feel like we promised them in the first or second episode, the theater goers where exactly theater came from. So I'm going to let you take center stage. Spotlight's on you. This is a soliloquy of some sort. So tell us about the theater. Where did you it know, come from? We, we did promise this. I teased it. It might have been the second or third show that we did. Obviously, the name of our show is Theater and College Basketball. Where does theater come from? It's been... Technically, it's Theater and College Hoops. Oh. Titch. Well, I should... My bad. We got to stay on brand. Titch. All right. My bad. So it's Theater and College Hoops. Um, where, where does the whole theater in whatever, or theater, as you see in your tweets, where does that all come from? I've gotten that question a few times where the origin of it. Well, it actually goes back. I want to say at least 10 years at this point. And it goes back to college basketball and it's been, it, it can be applied anywhere. It can be applied at a wedding. It can be applied in a playoff game. It can be applied in your everyday life where you just look at something in front of you unfolding and you can say, you know what, man, this is theater. But for me, the way, the way that I identified theater in the first time I was actually watching. And I, I, I wish this was like a funny joke where I got it from, but it was actually kind of, I don't want to call it serious, but, just a very dull, mundane moment where I was watching SportsCenter and Scott Van Pelt was, who is my all-time favorite broadcaster. I love Scott Van Pelt. I love the way that he delivers his broadcast. I've, I've always appreciated it. And he was doing the highlights for some game. It was a college basketball game. I forget what it even was. And it was kind of like, it would have been March Madness because I remember him doing it shortly thereafter when he was doing his master's coverage where he just described a sporting event as, oh, you know, there's theater, like back and forth they go. He just said theater. And it was just another word for him. And I remember thinking at the time I would have been probably like a 20-year-old kid or a 19-year-old kid just thinking, what a ridiculous thing to say. Like, who is this guy just getting up there trying to artistically do it? 
say things like that in the same way that I used to tease people for calling, you know, soccer beautiful or anything like that. But Van Pelt said this was theater. And I remember thinking, you know what? That's a pretty damn good analogy. And I've always been a big analogy guy. I, I love coming up with analogies in my text and the way I interact with the people important in my life. I, I just always appreciated analogies. And he just described a random sporting event that I would watch every single day and appreciate in the moment. And he described it as theater. Now I'm not a theater goer. I've been to like two plays in my life. I don't care for the theater. I don't, I think that's a whole different sect of society that is different than me. And it applies to people that have different interests than me. But that is one way for me to think like, you know what? When some douchebag high, you know, sniffing, you know, sniffing his own farts guy is going and watching like the Phantom of the Opera in 1950 on Broadway or everything. I don't even know where they show that. But when that guy goes there and sits down and watches a show in the theater and is completely moved by the experience, that's how I feel when I'm watching, you know, like Jimmer Fredette pull up from 30 feet and bury one. And you got the whole crowd getting up behind them. That's how I feel when Manny Ramirez hits a walk-off three-run homer. That's how I feel when Paul Pierce is getting wheeled back out onto the court. That, that to me, is theater. Not, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda hitting a high note in Hamilton. Or not, you know, Hugh Jackman dancing around doing whatever movie you just did this past year. Other people will call that theater. But for me, it's, it's another thing. It's a high-class word to describe the sentiment that I have watching something that I care very deeply about. And it's easy for people to look at guys that care and appreciate sports, where it's the one thing that they could look forward to every single night. Well, what game's on ESPN or what game's on ESPN2? What's the 9 o'clock? What's, what's, the, what's the game of the week? But it's a way to kind of connect deep interests. So when Van Pelt said that, it might have just been a word that he had typed out beforehand, but it just resonated with me. And obviously from there, it kind of took off, especially with you and I and our friend group, where we, we took the joke and kind of went with it, where we would be in moments in our life, our buddies' weddings or you know, out on a good night when we haven't seen each other in a while, taken in the scene. And I'll, I'll let you describe what we, you and your, you and I's little thing where we look at the moment unfolding in front of us and we just say, Hey, that's theater. But that's where so it comes really, from. You got to put your hand out in front, like a panoramic view, right? So you just got to pan across the entire, I don't know, view that you're looking at it could just be a regular tv or ipad that you're hunched over it's theater that was beautifully put nice little soliloquy there i'm gonna break it down into brass tacks and because some people have asked me what what is the criteria for me tweeting out theater in blank yeah so i i I will hold on before you get going on that i will i do want to say one more thing I would say it a few times, and then you were the one that took it and made it into a kind of a phenomenon with the way that you tweet it. I mean, you're a tweeting man, not a man who tweets. That's what you always said. But you were the All one. All the way around. All oh, the way around. Whatever. I, I still don't know what that means. But you were the one that took it and took it to the next level where you actually, because you tweet so much, and because you tweet so much, you have to abbreviate what you say. So it got down to feet and all that. But anyways, you took it to the next level. 
But that's what we're talking about. It's this deep-rooted interest in what is unfolding. Making something that we care about have some magnitude to it. Exactly. I think it was Billy Shakes who said, all the world's a stage, right? Including a basketball court. I could see which coach would say that. The court is a stage. Court is a stage. Because I almost guarantee there's a coach that talks just like that. Yeah, so who's kind of the Calipari? I could see yeah, Calipari yeah, say he's kind of bullshit like artistic that. type coach that is going to blow things up. Definitely Calipari. Um, maybe your boy Muscle Milk, man. He's crazy yeah. enough where he can yeah, do that. He, I can see he, Muscle Milk yeah. doing it. Muscle, that, that's where it comes from. So that. Whether Scott Van Pelt knows it or not, he is the one that inspired it. And it, it, it does. It, I mean, I. The easiest way to do it is if you go out, and I'm talking to you, the audience right now, if you go out and you're having like an out of, I don't want to call it an out of body experience, you're having a great night. And like, you know how people always take out their phones to do a Snapchat or an Instagram story of what they're watching, you know, like there's a parade going by or there's a super good party and you're, you're putting it out there to Snapchat it. Next time you do it, hold your phone in your dominant hand. All right. And then take your weak hand put it into the screen of your phone. So you got your, you got your weak hand palm facing outwards and slowly move it to the left and just say, theater. That's what we're talking about. One more thing that I want to ask the theater goers and everyone listening to this, we're trying to get as many right for parody names as we, that is anything that rhymes with theater, use it. So for example, Deet Blakeman, Cleet Blakeman, Peter Clavin. I love, I love that. Peter Clavin. NFL ref Cleet Blakeman is your, your first example of that. Yeah. Hey, you, you can't go like Peter Rabbit, Peter Rabbit, or. Peter uh, Theater Pumpkin Eater. That's pretty good. Tweet us your best. Tweet us your best. Peter uh, Pablo's if you will. But yes, I'm glad we finally buried that. You're able to now know the history of theater and how it came about. Let's talk about a little upcoming theme here before we wrap it up and get on to segments. It's rivalry week, baby. So again, I'm Pavlov and <sighs> Pavlov and like I was last, last week for Tennessee, Kentucky, actually one of you that was wasted saliva. Cause that game sucked. I shouldn't have Pavlov for that game, but I'm going to Pavlov for rivalry week, UNC Duke tomorrow, the best rivalry in sports. It is the best rivalry, the premier rivalry in sports. Sox, Yankees, no. Celtics, Lakers, no. Ohio State, Michigan in football, no. Alabama, Auburn, no. Right? What else am I missing here? Fucking Sharapova. No one really puts that in that tier, but no. UConn, right. Central Florida. Central Florida, UConn, you said? Yeah, yeah UConn, Central Florida. The conflict. Might be conflict. That's Conf- all. Conflict's good. Conflict's good. But there is no rivalry that compares to UNC and Duke in basketball. It's because they're typically always top 10. They are evenly matched. I know Duke's won eight of the last 10, but in terms of national titles, they both have won in recent memory. And it's always a good game. Atmosphere is absolutely electric. I know you're going to touch on this a little bit bit later going right for the Duke Carolina game is at like two grand 
two and a half grand, something absurd like that. President Barack Obama apparently is going to be in the building as well. This is just rivalry. The only thing that sullies it is Dickie V because he's so goddamn annoying and sounds like he's going to have an aneurysm. But what I'm looking forward to in terms of basketball in this game itself is the matchup between Kobe White and Trey Jones, two of the best point guards, easily best freshman point guards, not only in the ACC, but in the entire country. Kobe Jones has really come on and he's been the leader for the this UNC team right now. I know we've said over the past couple of weeks that they've been flying under the radar. And you think you would attribute that success here recently to preseason, uh, preseason uh, All-American Luke May or Cam Johnson, who's been playing extremely well. Now, we've also said that Trey Jones, on the other hand, is the key guy for Duke. We can talk about RJ, Cam, uh we can talk about Zion, obviously, but Trey Jones is the one that makes that entire team go. If he's not there, then they're not a final, they're not a championship team. Hate to say it. So Trey Jones versus Kobe White, Duke, Carolina. Mark it down. I, I will be pavloving for that game tomorrow. I'm going to take Duke at home. I actually think that it's going to be close for the first thirty or so minutes, and then they'll pull away. Carolina needs their upperclassmen to wake up though Cam Johnson and Luke May you can't you can't put all the responsibility and expect freshmen to come up big time this is their moment to to show up and maybe even catapult themselves to the five seed if they beat Duke on the road I literally can't wait for Luke May and Zion to go head to head it's the perfect clash between what is good at the college basketball level and what is good, what is uh, kind of projected to be good. And I know Zion. Oh, that's racist. Are outstanding. That's racist. It's that's not racist. racist undertones. It's not. I'm going to call you off for like, being racist. I'd say the same thing Who's about Grant, Grant Williams. If Grant Williams against Zion, I'd say the same thing. I think Grant Williams and Luke May have a pretty similar style of ball, except Grant's just a little stronger and a little more skilled and just generally generally better but i do think that's gonna be a good matchup um i duke's a nine point favorite i think i like carolina to cover i think carolina is going to keep it close i think the they have the athletes to match uh but this this, this is a game these guys are probably going to play three times in the next four weeks they play again in, in the last game of the year they're probably going to see each other in the acc tournament at some point I think the way it stands, and I believe Duke is a top the ACC. Yeah, Duke's a top the ACC. They're eleven and one. Car- Carolina is going to end up on Virginia's side of the bracket during the tournament. I don't know who's going to stop Duke in the ACC tournament, other than Boston College. Maybe uh, beat beat him in the first half in Cameron a couple of weeks ago. It's not it's not a big deal, but. Uh, but yeah, these guys are going to see each other again. Um, definitely. And they probably will play each other at some point in the ACC tournament. All three games, hopefully, well, hopefully we get to see them for three games. We know for sure that there's going to be two games between these two. And I'm pretty much very sure that they're going to all be fantastic games. So Duke Carolina, mark your calendars for tomorrow. Actually, when you hear this, it'll be later that night. So Wednesday, February 20th. Other game I want to look at, UVA versus Louisville. Another big-time ACC clash. UVA coming off of a couple good wins. 
they just beat their rival actually in Botech in Blacks in Blacksburg last night. So they go to Louisville and this is going to be a very interesting game because Louisville has shown that they can compete and play with the best teams in the country. Saw what they did against Duke, but they can also shit their pants towards the end, which very well could happen against a very disciplined and solid UVA team on a completely unrelated note. I think I found the key and, and the reason why UVA can't win the big game. And I know we had a discussion about what the big game was last week, but hear me out here. UVA has too many players with monosyllabic names. Key, Salt, Clark, Ty. Too many monosyllabic names, man. They need more multisyllabic names. They need names like Williamson, Barrett, Schofield, Hagens, fucking Hachimura. Do that. Those are the multi-syllabic names that are going to get you wins. So this is an in-depth analysis of what I think is wrong with UVA. It's because they have too many short names, man. Like that's, I said. That's pretty racist too, right there. Why? I don't know. That's you, not racist. That's nameist. You can call it nameist if that's a term. But you know what they say. Shark, you know what they say. It's not the X's and O's. It's the multi-syllabic Jimmy's and Joe's. That's what gets you to Final Fours. So I think that's the biggest thing that I, I, I'm identifying here with UVA. I want to take Louisville. This is still up in the air for me. Might be part of my Saturday big three. I want to take Louisville. I just don't know if I can trust him. Louisville plays Syracuse tomorrow night at the Carrier Dome. I don't expect them to win that. Then they're going to have to play UVA at home. I don't expect them to win that. Then they're going to have to play at Boston College. I don't expect them to win that. Then they play Notre Dame. I expect them to win that. But then they have to go to UVA at the end of the year. Louisville, they are shaping up as the team to pick against in the tournament. I know we said that already. I'll say it again. Them and NC State in the ACC, they are fake. They are not teams to trust when 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 the going gets tough pick against them. So, you know, I, I, I fully expect UVA to completely take Louisville out of their, their flow. They, they kind of are a hot and cold team. They get hot. They can really light it up from three and they can get very cold in stretches as well. It'll be an interesting game there between UVA and Louisville. It's hard to argue. I oh, hold on, but it's, it is hard to argue with that thesis you just put forward on mono. I know. Yeah. I know. Take a look at it. These are, the, these are your four guys. Key, Salt, Clark, Ty. Now, Ty's not his last name, but it's two letters, man. It's not one of you ball what games, about, baby. What about Kyle Guy? Guy? Good God. Literally the I best player guy. on the team. Thank you. Guy. Ty Guy. I'm surprised they haven't named that backcourt title well, you know, yet. I, I keep trying to think of something that would be funny. You know in Shallow Hal when they say Shallow Hal needs a gal? Kyle I keep, trying to think, I, I keep wanting to do something for Kyle Guy, but it hasn't hit me yet. So if any listeners Let's are out keep there. Workshopping. Anyone keep got workshopping. Anyone got one? Give me a Shallow Hal needs a gal corollary for Kyle Guy needs a, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep Something. brainstorming. Yeah. This is good. This is good. Ideas. This is how theater comes to life. 
Another game I want to take a look at real quick, Tennessee versus LSU. You alluded to this earlier in the episode. This is a huge game for you guys. I think I'm assuming you ended up beating Vanderbilt, right, at home. So Yeah, we did. It was ugly, but we did. Win's a win. That's fair. It's a rivalry game. But Tennessee at LSU. LSU beat the same team that Tennessee got smoked at, and it was at the exact same venue. So LSU has already beaten Kentucky. Very, very controversial ending, of course, but they were in it more so than Tennessee ever was. So Tennessee at LSU, Tennessee going to Baton Rouge, man. I don't think it's a, it's obviously not a must win, but in terms of keeping that one seed, keeping you at the one line, Ooh, buddy, it might be a must win. If you want to stay at number one seed. No, whether Vol fans wants to want, excuse me, Vols fans want to admit it or not. It's a big game. Cause if they lose that, then they're going to Oxford on, I think it's Tuesday the following week. And then you got Kentucky coming, coming to Knoxville where, you could lose that as well. All of a sudden you could be the three seed in the sec or the four seed in the sec going into the tournament, which point, I mean, you got to win the sec tournament. If you want to have a shot at a, at a one, which would be kind of unlikely at that point, we're at the very least getting a two. So it's a big game. The one thing we have going for us, I think that plays in our favor is uh, Baton Rouge isn't going to be bumping at 11 PM excuse me, 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Uh, oh, I see the finger. You would think that. But as is weekly tradition, this is where I'm going to insert my college football coach or player or alumni sitting courtside. Enter Ed Orgeron. You think so? Hold that, Tiger. <sighs> Ed Orgeron in the building. I'm 0 for like 4. So, no, I don't actually think Ed Orgeron's going to be there. But if I hit and Orgeron's there, you guys are in some shit. I don't know if he'd be there. Uh, Saturday at 11, maybe. Maybe they're going to pull out the stops there. The NFL Combine is the following week, so I don't know what college coaches do to get their players hyped for that. Maybe he's dealing with them. But that's not going to, like, change the crowd at all. That's going to get you pumped up for maybe one half timeout. You bring mm. out Coach O. I don't even think the LSU faithful love Coach O. Like he's he's been there for three years now. They kind of are what they are. I think deep down, all of them want Tom Herman, and he's not. He turned them down. So I think Coach O is like a cool thing for people that don't live in Louisiana. But I don't think he's as beloved as the outsiders think he is. Coach O in the building. I'm writing my name next to that. I still think Tennessee comes out of there with a win. This well, is know, either Big Baby Davis should be there. His trial's over. Well, I, I think he took a deal, so he's not going to jail on those drug charges. So good for Big Baby. That is good for him. Hug for Big Baby. Last game I want to take a look at is Kansas at Texas Tech. This is probably the biggest game of the entire weekend in terms of what it means for both teams. Kansas, obviously, everyone knows they've won the Big 12 14 straight years, looking for number 15. This will determine if Kansas continues that streak or not. If they lose, it's a wrap. If Kansas loses, then Texas Tech, Iowa State, and K State will, one of those teams or maybe a share of those teams will win the Big 12. It will not go through Lawrence, Kansas. However, if Kansas defeats Texas Tech, which I actually think is going to happen, Kansas 
will end up winning that Big 12. Despite all the injuries, despite all the drama that's going around here in Lawrence, I'm going to take Kansas over Texas Tech, but this is the biggest game. This right here is your main course, right? This is your duck. This is your steak. This is your chicken cordon bleu, right? This is your main meal, baby. Sit down, pound the table, and watch Kansas versus Texas Tech. Um, I mean, uh, again, Cleet Blakeman's no your first reference, and then you go with duck as your first main entree. It's <laughs> gotten into you, father. Duck guy. Big duck guy. I love a good duck confit, but all right. Didn't know you had that culture. Kansas, Texas Tech, though. I'm, I'm, I'm Indian. Dude. I gotta, I've, of course I have culture. Yeah, I, I don't expect Kansas to win that game. I think Texas Tech is going to run them out. Um, I think Tech is about to get hot at the right time. So watch out for those boys down in Lubbock. Chris Beard was pissed at his walk-on this this past weekend. They won four straight. Yeah. And they got an easy yeah. schedule riding it out. So. so quick recap of what you should be watching this upcoming week. Again, it's rivalry week, so this is one of the best weeks of all the regular season in college basketball. UNC Duke Wednesday, February 20th, and then the Saturday slate, UVA at Louisville, Tennessee at LSU, Kansas at Texas Tech. Let's get into some segments here and wrap it up here, Shark. Who are we giving hugs to? My hug is any fan of Duke and North Carolina. You alluded to it earlier, but if you want to go to that game in Durham tomorrow night, the tickets are a couple grand at this point, which is awesome for college basketball. You know, people still care about the rivalry. People still want to be there. But gosh, they're rivaling Super Bowl prices at this point. A couple grand, like – your hug last week was for the UVA guys hitting the shots. They make 19 grand. You could, I mean, say one of those UVA guys wants to put some of that 19 grand towards going to the, they're already losing some of it just by going to one game. So, I mean, that is so much to spend for a random game in the dog days of February, but people are doing it. So I'm not hating on them. They care about it as much as we do. So good for them. Hug for them. The best rivalry, baby. I'm going to give my hug to a camel. Now, tomorrow, when you this airs and when everyone hears it, it's going to be Wednesday. Geico's been running those old ads, kind of going vintage on us, and they've been running the hump day ads. Everyone knows what commercial I'm talking about. It's a camel walking around the office asking everyone what day it is, right? So shout out to the camel. But this particular hug is for Chris Clemens of the Campbell Camels. Chris Clemens gets 3,000 points earlier this week. I think he is now ranked number nine. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes. Ninth all-time scorer in NCAA history. Some of these names in front of him are pretty funny. Uh, Doug McDermott is at number five. I knew he was a prolific scorer, but I didn't know Doug, McDerm- Doug McDermott is the fifth all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. We talked about Pete Maravich a couple episodes back. Uh, I think that was this week in feet. So I want to give a sincere hug to Chris Clemens. I hope him and his camels win their conference tournament because I want to see that guy in the, in the NCAA tournament. I don't give a shit about these power six teams that may get in like a Nebraska or an ASU. 
get those guys out of here if they're on the bubble. Give me the small guys like Murray State. Give me Chris Clemens and Campbell. I want those guys in the tournament because they are far more exciting. Hug for Chris Clemens. 3,000 points, no small feat. Not at all. Good for him. Uh, I mean, I hope he gets a shot in the league. If not, he's going to have a prolific uh, career overseas. I know Ricky Patino. They they need a bucket getter on Panathinaikos right now. They just won the Greek League. Uh, obviously, we know my guy Nico Papas towards ACL. They, they they could use him in Panathinaikos. But all joking aside, I mean he's on an incredible list. He literally just passed Oscar Robertson for scoring in college basketball. So no matter what he does for the rest of his life, he knows that he passed Oscar Robertson, a Hall of Famer, as well as many other Hall of Famers like Larry Bird. You heard of him? Danny Manning. But you know who's creeping up? You know who's creeping up? Lurking behind Chris Chris Clemens. Only by about six, uh, I'd say 60 or so points, which he could easily make up (laughs) in tournament time. It's the dominator, Mike Dom. Give me Mike Dom versus Louisville in a first-round matchup, and I'm going to bury that one. Mike Dom, he fucked me last year. Fucked a lot of people actually last year. I forget who South Dakota State was playing, but yeah, Dom and Ohio Chris Clemens. State. Yeah, that's right. Who was that guy on Ohio State? The who was that guy? Um, he's on the Timberwolves now. Yeah, the lanky small forward type. Ah, <sighs> what the fuck? I gotta find this. I don't know. Oh, One of the listeners find it for us. Uh, no, hold on. I gotta find this. Ohio State, Minnesota Timberwolves player. Riveting. Riveting into the show right here. HB to Jop. Yep. Jop. I didn't even pronounce it right. It's Kata Bates Jop. I called him Kates. Anyway, this week in feet, let's round it out. Twit time. This week in feet, baby. Bob Knight. Hurls the chair. Uh, the infamous chair toss there from Bob Knight. I think it was, what is it, 85 or 84? I, uh, I'm blanking on the year, but I know it was February 23rd is when it happened. So this week in feet, an epic meltdown from Bob Knight. And see, you see a lot of coaches trying to emulate that. The Hurley brothers, they'll blow up. You got Calipari will stomp his feet sometimes. No one is ever going to touch Bob Knight with the exception of coach K in terms of wins. And they're not going to touch him in terms of sideline outbursts this week in the Bob Knight tossing the chair. Yeah. It, Bob Knight, so many stories. You could get one of, one of our guys, Logue, you stick him in a room and you say, Hey, Logue, talk about Bob Knight for the next six hours. And you could come back in two weeks. And that guy's probably just talking to the wall about stories that he heard about Bob Knight growing up in the fields of Indiana. So guy's a legend. I mean, he would never last in this world right now in the same way that like Dick, Dick butt kiss probably wouldn't last in this modern day NFL, but what a legend. Good for Bob Knight. I mean, I'm pretty sure they made it 30 for 30, obviously on his accomplishments, but also Knight's uh, discretions there when he, yeah. When he like head butted that player and that got caught on tape. Yeah. Bob Knight would not survive a day in, in this, in this political climate, this economy couldn't do it. 
that'll wrap it up here for theater and college hoops. Enjoy the games this upcoming weekend. Are the Oscars on this weekend, actually? You bet your brown ass they are. Let's go. And, and you, let me tell you something. You know what else is on Sunday? <laughs> Season finale of True Detective. This is, oh, my God. This is a I'm huge burning. Sunday. This is a huge Sunday for us. All right? Gotta be ready. I mean, I might hunker down again, bury through a 30 on Saturday, oh, get a fresh guy so on good. Sunday. I mean, the, what perfect timing for that right now. Because you know what's gonna once that happens, we're we're hitting in, we're getting into conference tournaments the following week. This engine needs some oil, baby. I need it. I'm burning. So, a lot of great stuff coming up on uh, this upcoming weekend. I would also be remiss, real quick, Shark, if we didn't mention that we are recording uh, with the Chief. I think it's going to be on In the Can that podcast. But we are recording a podcast with the writer of Along Came Polly, one of our favorite movies. Very much looking forward to that. That recording is going to take place tomorrow, so hopefully we'll have that episode for you at the end of this week. Look out for that as well. Yeah, definitely listen to that. Along came Paulie. Many consider a top 10 movie of all time. Um, We'll have a lot of good questions. With that, we'll close the curtains. Thanks for listening, guys.